Immediately. 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 Straight off the bat. Wouldn't let us even get our names. Greetings, pals. I put my name in the goblet of fire. What's your name? It would be say it would be say Tom. it be Tom. be name be say Tom. Greetings, pals. Don't know what that was. Your name is Marcus. And I am Francis. Welcome we- to Throwing the Power, the podcast where we talk about movies. And in fact, we debate them and you like it and you hate it. And we all have a terrible time talking Don't with you each other. Point at me, those oh, little pointy, pointy fingers. They're pointy boy. <laughs> so, yeah, today we're talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The fourth in a very big franchise. Four. 2005. Yes. Two and a half hours. PG-13. PG is it really? Yeah, the first one to be rated as such. The previous being no. PG. What, that was Azkaban was PG. Yeah. And then the other two were G. No, I think I guess even um, the Chamber of Secrets would have been PG. So I can just say that this one is the first to be PG-13, right? That shocks me because Azkaban's <laughs> kind of- Pretty dark. There's stuff in there. Yeah. Definitely. But you could be right. I li- <laughs> First time for everything. I'm trying to find the rating. It's rated PG. <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban. For frightening moments, creatures, violence, and mild language. Oh, interesting. Which okay. I should say at the top of this, guys, no swearing. Ever? Please. Yes. What? Ever. 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 You know that. What a letdown. Oh, never. T- toad's wallop. I don't know. I was trying to think of what they <laughs> say. <laughs> that was a magical. Do you know, s- yeah. Hermione says in this, which I do think is such an interesting replacement for She's like- What's got your wand in a twist or your wand in a knot? Mm. Which is like just a basically, what's up your ass? You know, yeah. it's, oh. but it's like, you know. What did I just say? It's not a great one. Ass is okay. Oh, We're PG-13. We your can say ass, ass is okay. Thanks, buddy. Should we do a storyline synopsis? Who hasn't seen this film? <laughs> Ever? No. Anyway, so it's the podcast we're on the power. We rate films out of 11. We do. Why is that, Tom? Okay, I do have one for this because I got a little upset with the last one. I didn't just come say up it. Okay, well, well, I've got one. I've got one. You should have one every week. Okay, well, okay. I've got one for this. So, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm just about to cut and we'll just, Marcus and I will do this ourselves. He's about to cut you. That's a threat. What they do. <laughs> Go on. I'm about to cut. Uh, with the production of these films being like such a big deal, blah, 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 blah. At Warner Brothers Movie World, a lot of the time when they've made the sets for these films, they will then like bring them basically the way they are, maybe enhance them a little and put them up as sets that people can look at at Warner Brothers Movie World. Like in Australia, but different places as well. No, no, no. There's something here. There's something I promise. So- um, when they do that, they always have to check just to make sure that any modifications that need to be made or just to see if it's going to match up with what's in the actual film and all things that are necessary. And so what they had to do when they were doing a recreation of the scene that happens in the Ministry of Magic, they had to check that set just to see how many different times uh, David Tennant actually did chew the scenery in that scene. And it was 11 and, times. And he stumbled and at the end. Yeah. Come here, come here, lean in. Don't, don't touch me. Lean in. I, want to, I want to slap you really hard. You can hard. slap me off mic and we'll talk about it <laughs> so afterwards. Just, just, to, just to recap, oh. we rate these films out of 11 because David Tennant chewed the scenery 11 times? That's what they found when they went over the scenery later when they were getting it ready. God, and thank and you, Frank, for the one-line synopsis. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. And also for the oh. listener, chewing the scenery means acting really hard. Yes. I, not, not actually chewing bits of scenery. I dis- agree to disagree. You agree to disagree. disagree. to disagree? I disagree I to disagree. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom, <laughs> Tom Butler. The secret sauce. Should we do a storyline? We don't really need to. It's the Goblet of Fire. We've got the Triwizard Tournament going on. Have we got any schools. time left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no time turner in this one. Jesus. I'm just saying, guys. Nice reference. Thank you. Yeah, good. All right, so directed by Mike Newell. This is the only one he did. Um Yes. Starring Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint. Do we need to do that? Yeah, sure. And of yeah. course, starring Jason Isaacs. Yeah. 
doing a, sure? a very effete accent. Oh, my Lord, if I'd had any idea, any at all. You know, he's very, <laughs> really, yes, yes doing the very, barely opening his mouth. I think he's doing his Kira Knightley impression. Doesn't he? He yes. gets like two and a half minutes screen time in this, But right? he makes the most out Oscar of it. Oscar nominated for that two and a half minutes, and I think. And he can't choose the because his teeth yeah. are closed. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Yeah. He got an Oscar nomination for best wig. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to I have, should have ruined your podcast. This Jason Isaac, for the people who don't pay attention to all the cast in the name, is uh, Lucius Malfoy. Which is Draco's dad. Draco's dad. Yeah. Big, long, white hair. Yes. Spoiler alert, when they get to the graveyard scene at the end and he's got his hood on but he has his long white hair hanging out the back, yeah. that's a spoiler. That's we a know spoiler. who it is. We, we know who it is. He looks like a Final Fantasy villain. He, he does look a little like a kind of pre-Sephiroth, <laughs> like an yeah. early draft of Sephiroth. I play Mario Kart, so and I'm Frank. <laughs> um, Frank, you don't have Hold to. Hold on. <laughs> Frank, whoa, whoa, we were talking. Yeah, come oh, on, man. You interrupted <laughs> Marcus there. My bad. That's, that's on me. Sorry. Shout your name if you like this film. Marcus! Frank! Tom. Oh, Tom's oh okay. Uh, gentle, no, Interesting. Yeah. All, right, All right, I'm giving this a 5.8. Whoa! That's quite low. And Tom, you're going to give me a yeah, little, little bit probably of Probably like, like higher than that. It's 6.4. Oh. <laughs> yeah! I'm going to go with a 7. We seem Just to have seven. shit the bed uh, twice in a row now. <laughs> Last week we had a movie we all disliked on a pretty similar level and now we all like this okay. one. Did you Spoilers. come over Saturday morning? Did I what, sorry? Did you come over Saturday morning? When Where I, is this going? I woke up and I had shit the bed. Oh. Did Lucy tell you this? No, but please don't tell us more. <laughs> hey, that's We're fine. not going to cut this. <laughs> I had a big, big Friday night. And just, you know, came out. You have to tell me if this really happened. I'm going to cut that. And no, it didn't happen. Okay, fantastic. <sighs> but thank you for... Like, I mean... Wow, shit the bed. You didn't even let me go. You must have come to my house and done that because I did that. <laughs> Bits. <laughs> it could have been funny. But Bits you were like too shocked to lay, play along with a we joke. We were shocked. Yeah. It so was Lucy genuine. when she woke up. It smells in here. No, come on. <laughs> like that scene in Train Spotting. Yes. Okay, so we all like this film. Yes. Which, let's be honest, is not a surprise. It's one of the all-time classic stories, you know, in a great series. It's well-directed. It's nicely written. It's okay acted. I think you have to be a real monster to try and shit on this, especially as a friend, like it's such a well-established IP and franchise. I think you are going against the grain and you've got to come in swinging hard. Like a cave troll. Like, Why doesn't this work? Nice reference. Yeah. I, I get that it can be. I think it's uh, we've got to acknowledge our nostalgia bias. We all grew up with this. Of course. Um, Did you guys read it? Sorry? I, this was the last book I read. I didn't read after The yeah, Goblet of Fire. Never read. Last, the last book I've oh, ever read. You genuinely didn't read. I didn't rest. read um, Order of Phoenix or Beyond. No. Well, the, the movies are better anyway. <laughs> I, Don't at me. Don't wrong. you dare. Absolutely wrong. I think that's true for a couple of them, maybe, I, but I can't mm. say for the last three. Okay. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I do think The Prisoner of Azkaban is truly a masterpiece and I think it's better than the book, but that's we can talk about that later. Um, we have our bias for it. I think people could definitely watch this today and be like, this is very like whimsical but also not particularly exciting and seems to be relying on a certain affection that they may not have for any of this and... It's quite a it's quite a shaggy story. This one more so that than to any- match the hair. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think this is a really what I like, and the reason I cho- obviously I was like I'm going to do a Harry Potter. Which one? Hmm. This seems to be the most. Let's universe- start with four. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's you, what I thought. You continue your train of thought because I agree with what you're about to say. Flabbergasted that I could call out that he skipped the first three. But you're not going to do the first one. It's yeah. horrendous. Um, sorry, Chris Columbus. I, you know, respect to you and props opinion. to your mother. Um, I just, I think this is one seems to be the most universally adored. Oh my god, I disagree. No, I disagree. So hard, hard. I and well, well, that's what the point of this podcast is. Okay, okay. and <laughs> also it's a it's a very nice coming of age story. I think it is the moment, not the moment, but this movie is a big maturation story. Sure, they start off as kids, and obviously by the end they're dealing with death, and Voldemort is back. I think that's the it's a huge pinnacle in the story, and I find it really compelling. Enough to give it a seven. I think this is the twilight of the franchise. Wow. Just because Robert Pattinson is correct. Answer, there <laughs> that he does drop out of a tree pretty quick. Man, he's so good in this. He's he, pretty handsome. He's the best of the young actors, without a doubt. It's yes. it's kind of it's, it's very it's jarring, jarring how good he is yes. compared with uh Emma Watson. And, and I just I just Daniel Radcliffe, bless him. He's so bad. They sideline him to a degree in this movie where it has started to become apparent how little interest the character holds and how much for an actor that I think has found his niche and has found us in later years and has found a really, really good way to be like vibrant and engaging and very self-aware of his legacy. Yeah, he's not particular he's not charismatic to a degree. He's not anti- he's not annoying. He's not off-putting. He's just kind of there. I think, yeah, yeah he's, there's some he, moments. He's yeah. perfectly watchable. Yeah. You don't go, oh, he can't carry it. I think he can carry the film because he's surrounded by such great other great characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Emma Watson and, and Rupert Grint are, f- are pretty good, but then the rest of the supporting cast are incredible. Yes, the and it's an excuse for older veteran British actors to be like, I can go as hard as I want in this. It's kind of the point. Yeah, and it's really endearing and and just kind of great, isn't it? We've got Brendan Gleeson. Okay, We've got Michael Gambon. You're going to go through the- We've got- I want uh, you to talk about Brendan Gleeson. David, yes. We've got David Tennant, Mm. who, as I said earlier, whose direction must have been, David, I want you to try and die out there. I want you to see if you can die from Break acting. a sweat and he immediately. Almost, when he gets in the Ministry of Magic, skip your head, and they're like, Barty Crouch Junior. And he's like, lunges at him. And then screams again as they go to take him off. And then he goes, what does he say to his father? father, you're no son of mine. Like again, it's like both times he's been stabbed. But that's so, the wait, dialogue. So you is, guys like this? I think it's as a performance. I, yeah, I, th- I, think I think it fits. It's exactly what that character should. He should be so evil. I'm kind of like uncomfortable, little, by it. or like a little broken by it. I'm like, I don't even know what real evil in movies looks like anymore. Because <laughs> that's but also just remember, so much. This is a fantasy. Like a fantasy kids film. Yes, really. It is a, it is a children's film. Yeah, Absolutely. so you got to make it really obvious who the bad guys are. Yes. that's why he does this. Yeah, because no yeah. normal good hero will do that. And yet, in a movie that you could argue is still maybe aiming for a younger audience, but still has a lot of respect amongst more um, sort of older older crowd. Like that's that's exactly what Heath Ledger does in The Dark Knight. I'm not saying like one performance. I'm not saying they're the same performance. Obviously, David Tennant is better, but I will, <laughs> <laughs> I will say good, uh, good. But Heath Ledger is you know he's using something there he's that going, it's like he's going how do ham I to the wall indicate that this guy right. is just a little much. He's putting a lampshade on it. He's and calling a it a lamp. Yes, hundred percent. Right. You've you've learnt the phrase <laughs> and you realised really it very well. Really coining that. Yeah. 
you know, I think the the list of actors in this, Maggie Smith, you know, you've got Of as course, well. wonderful. God, wonderful. she's good. Um, Do we quickly want to go through MVPs? Um. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we should. <laughs> just, just, I just want to go through my let's M's. Let's talk about our let's most. Let's talk M's. Oh, most. I think most, the most. We did. David Tennant is most. <laughs> so now let's get and into who's valuable. Who's valuable. valuable. And then let's get into who was a person. No player. Fuck. I just, I just fucked most it up. Most valuable, valuable penis. Uh, do, you want, do we quickly go through MVPs? M. What is going on? <laughs> M. What? It's broken. Um, the, okay. the button is broken. I'm kind of here's, loving it though. Here's what I suggest. <laughs> we in the room try and harmonise and do MVP oh, now. Ready? This is going to be yep. awful. You go first, Frank. M- M- MVP. Wasn't bad. I can't wait to listen back. Actually kind of okay. Who the fuck put me on top harmony? You did. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. Well, you are a tenor. I, <laughs> You're a beautiful tenor. Okay, we're going our MVPs, which we didn't do last week, so I'm glad you're bringing it in. Who's your MVP? Uh, Jason Isaacs. What? Okay. Easily. I get it. I love him. He's a lot of fun. I Lucius. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to, yeah, give Drink. me more. Give me more than that. Tell me more, why. More lines of his? No, no, he's well, yeah, just, that's right. Just... Like, how are you giving him MVP in this film? I'm not saying he's terrible. He's great. He does exactly what he needs he's to do. He's just the performance I enjoy the most. I just, everything about it. And you've watched, I'm sure you have watched the behind the scenes documentary, but he loves it. He loves playing this character. He does. And just goes for it. And I think there's something, you can see that on screen. Like, I think obviously we're speaking about a lot of the veteran actors do really go Ham to the lampshade. Um, <laughs> ham to the lampshade. Fist to the wall. What's this? <laughs> no, it was yours. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the really normal the one. Sh- <laughs> sheep to the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> oh, bad, bad. <laughs> the sheep, cattle sheep. to the sky. You know, the ham to the lampshade. Is that a nope reference? A nope reference? The cattle to the sky? Uh, yeah. sure. No, sure. it's not. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's having a great time and he he's so delicious. You know, he's like, he's rather vile yes, and wicked. in an awesome way. But it's, yeah, it's no, you're right. what I think of as something about his pronunciation and his use of it is like dark chocolate. It's just something. I would say more like whiskey. Sure. Actually, that's, well, it's a kid's movie, so I go dark chocolate, but I get what you mean. And because you don't like whiskey. I don't love whiskey, but you're as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. Go on, sing it. Three, two, one, sing for real. M- no. M- <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Lucius is very good, or Jason Isaac's very good. What do you think, Marcus? Uh, I'm going to jump to the left here. I think someone who's consistently great whenever they pop up on screen is Myrtle. Oh, Moaning that's fantastic. Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle. Oh, A really wonderful no. actress whose name the, I can't recall at the moment, who's also in Intermission. Yeah. The, um, what's the opposite of MVP? LVP? You don't like Moaning Myrtle? I loathe. No, loathe. I, think, I think she's pretty great. I think she's excellent. Yeah, she, she nails that role. No, she... <sighs> She's Sorry. like exactly what you're, I, I, I just shivered. Well, I just on. shivered. It's exactly Shirley, what you're talking it's about. Shirley, before. someone, isn't it? I'm, I'm think it's a Shirley, but anyway, give me two seconds. Okay, it's exactly what you were talking about before, Frank. With like, this is a fantasy kids film, correct? Correct. I think she nails it. She I think goes, she's she's pantomiming to an extent. Yes, but she's interesting, and she's like, I I have a couple of minutes of screen time. I'm gonna milk it, and I'm gonna have fun with it. No line is the same register, the same yeah. tone. Everything no. is, but it's not. I, I 100% disagree. The whole thing is, I the younger brother, I didn't get me the dad. Show me your penis. 
I mean, I think it's a bit sick. You, that, and I Frank, don't think of she all cha- people who hangs around in toilets all no, day should no, understand. No, no. First of all, <laughs> ba- bathhouses, yes. <laughs> not toilets. <laughs> it's more, more dignified. More dignified. Um, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend. The um the whole conceit of the scene is great, Horrible. especially when Harry, when Daniel Radcliffe himself is like fifteen ish at the time or sixteen, and yeah. she's like in her mid twenties. Yeah, and it being a scene where she is just like, I wonder what Harry Potter's penis looks like <laughs> is very strange, definitely. Uh, but no, I agree. I think for what she's she's asked Shirley to do, Henderson. Shirley Henderson. That took me a while. I yes, apologize. I did think it was Shirley something, but I couldn't have told you Henderson. But she's really great. I remember the big story being when she got the role for Chamber of Secrets, they were looking for someone the same age as the kids and she was much older and they were like, she just nailed She's so good. And I, I agree. She is one of those roles across the series that I couldn't imagine anyone else playing. Mike obviously frustrates you, but I like it. I, yeah, I wish someone else had played it. No, but I, I, I commend the actress because I imagine that audition. And you're like, well, what does Moaning Myrtle sound like? Oh, she's moaning so she sounds horrendous and she's a pervert. Mm. I got this. Like, I'm sure, Shirley, respect to you, you're not a pervert, but God, you play it well <laughs> in that regard. From one but, pervert to another. And the audition would have been like, <laughs> ha, ha, hold on. Oh, oh. I, I He's so flustered. I, um, yeah, the audition, I would love to see the tape. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think, and it obviously didn't. Right. I'm going to say something now that you're going to go. Well, it didn't work, but for me and Marcus, when you have a character that does have to be high pitched, shrill, and kind of on the page, annoying, making it like this is pretty funny and like pretty engaging. Obviously, they deploy her well because she's barely in it. She's barely in Chamber of Secrets. But as also, well. name another character other than Hermione who unintentionally is like that. What do you mean? It, annoying. Like annoying. I just don't find like, Hermione annoying in this one. I think all the kids across the film. Really? Yeah. She tells them to go to bed at one point. That's funny to me because <laughs> I think she's lo- she's so frustrated to me rightfully at Ron because he's been a real prick. Right. And then, the and with then both of you. That's, that being her like, <laughs> what could I say to these boys to regain some power? And it's off to bed with you uh, both. Yeah. I did and laugh. And they do it. Yes. But of course then, they do. But then Ron like, says the most most devious, truly like a line where you're like, not even in a kid's movie, in any movie that is a like dagger when he's like, they get scary when they get older. It's like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> Ronald, that's it's not okay. It's yeah. it's two movies too late for that line. Oh. If it said that in the first or second film, you'd be like, that's funny. It's kind of cute. cute and now it's like, dude, that. She's going to hold on to that for life. And also she's she will, your wife. She will. It's going to be in your vows. She one day will go, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember this? When you Ron, age shamed me. Spoiler alert. Well, to be fair, you okay. told me to go to bed and I didn't want to. <laughs> I was dancing to it like a crazy elf. <laughs> I also think out of the three, Rupert Grint developed the best. I personally love As how- an actor? Yeah, actually. What, were you, what was your point then? Well, as a character as a, too, I think, oh, like, obviously, okay. and, you know, having read the books as well, you sort of see where he goes Brag. from start to finish. But, like, um, I think he, out of the three that they cast, Hermione is very Hermione. I mean, the books, you know, you can't deny that she fits the brief and she's nailed it. It yeah. doesn't make her less annoying. I find irritable. her most annoying in, like, the first one. The yeah. first one's where Agreed. they just fully play up the True. her whole character trait is I know everything yeah. and you're beneath me. Mm. And it's like, you know, the, it comes out more and more why that's the way she plays. It's kind of why I love the third one as well when they yeah. bring in the mud blood thing, suggesting that she's compensating for that. I, mm. I quite like. But, mm. 
Yeah, I don't know. We're not talking about the third one. We're not weirdly. We're talking about the fourth one because someone made that choice. Go yeah, on, Frank. You're welcome. So <laughs> I think <laughs> on to that point, I think Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint start, you know, at an acting level of two and Emma Watson's at like a four or five for the sure. first film. Yep. And then Rupert Grint catches up. I think so too. I think Emma and Rupert are really good and then Rupert kind of gets better in the last two films than her. Daniel I think, plateaus And Daniel two. gets to like a <laughs> – no, I think he gets up to like a five. He does, yeah. Maybe a six. Yeah. Not an easy role. I will say. No, Harry he, Potter he is terrifically a hard. No, Harry's a device. He is. Harry Potter is written as everywhere well, you go, people will go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm meeting you. And you have to be leave. like, sorry, but what's going on? Like well, that's, that's your entire character. It's such a great device for, I'm sure the novel, but also the film of like Harry going, what's a port key? Yeah. And everyone goes, you don't know, watch this and we'll show you. And everything is explained to Harry, but it's to us, the mm. audience. It's such a good device. I'm really glad you brought that up. Yep. Thanks. Can we talk about port keys for a second? Oh, is so useful. About? Not the cinematic device of having Harry as a, <laughs> co- a character who knows nothing. The audience thought he was, he was complimenting your analysis <laughs> yes, of like cinematic types. And Mark's just like, port keys are fucked, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> are you going to talk about how the dismount is terrible, but then Cedric comes in like running on the wind? I okay yeah. Firstly, if you're going to be like, what was the urgency of everyone quickly grab it now? Like, you you're not on any time frame. Well, I think you guys. as, soon as, you, as maybe, soon as you touch it, it sets off, right? Well, that's, that's right. What happens but maybe for those in the group that haven't done this before, let's just have a quick training session. I mean, you go and do skydiving. They're going to run you through the you know OHMS of everything. They do. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely right that it's a weird device that they ignore when it's convenient for throwing Harry into the midst of it. When they will go, oh. Blimey, Harry wouldn't know this. And then other times they're like, come on, Harry, you fuckwit. And they just will not explain to him what they're doing. Diagonally. Not only diagonally, (laughs) but not only that, even the start of the movie, there's some weird moments of urgency and like character. Hermione's first scene. She wakes, wake up, wake up. And he's like, oh, I'm having a drink. Well, both of you, come on, we've got to go. And it's like, are they being like raided? What is happening? And, and it's like, they're just going to the World Cup. On, we're off on a walk. It's a, but it's a fun walk <laughs> to the World crazy. Cup with friends. Well, it's they've like, slept in, they're running late. I mean, yeah. he's a teenager. We've all been there. Yes. It Sorry, we're late. Someone had to sleep in. And he's still yawning. They've been walking for three hours. Yeah. Like, I'm still tired. Forget, I'm like, to be fair, I'm still yawning now after this morning. So You've had a big day, pal. Big day, pal. Big day, Big day, pal. lots of ports keys. Uh, sports keys. <laughs> okay, here's my thing. That's how much Tom loves sports this is, keys. This is a classic, like, storyline plot hole and I think it's very easy. This is the most elaborate. This is why I hate this film more than the, the rest. Wow. If I were to choose. So I, so you, I picked the wrong Harry Potter. Is that what you're absolutely. saying? Absolutely. I Fuck. think you picked it for the wrong reason. You could have said this. No, this is great though. I, I like you having picked this one for reasons I'll get into later. Awesome. Yes, this film uh, is the most elaborate heist-ish plot line to effectively capture Harry to get him to a central point. And that whole mm. thing, the whole trajectory of the film is to get him to touch a port key. A port key can be fucking anything. Language, but yes. It can. Right? Anything. A boot. And you're telling me that that Mad-Eye Moody, who's not Mad-Eye Moody, who has the Marauder's Map, cannot just get Harry alone for two seconds in this film and just whisk him away or anybody else. That no, he has to. He has to really get his name has, into the car. What if he died as with the dragon? What if he died in the lake? <laughs> it's you insane. Know what I mean? That's a, that's a really good point. It is insane to think the lengths that these people have gone to, Voldemort included, 
to be like, here's the idea. And I want to see like this Ocean's Eleven sort of storyline unfold of how they get it all to See the back of house. I agree with you that oh. while these films and films of this genre and ilk, whenever it's a Jean, fantasy Jean, genre. Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. <laughs> whenever it's uh, made and it's fitting, what, this is the end? Isn't that his song? No, what? Oh, God. Jean Valjean. Oh, who, wait, no, Javert. Javert's the I one. Don't. This is the Let's end. not go down this path. I, I was just going to say if I had a button for Bring Him Home, I would have played it right then. Oh, Do you want me to sing it? Song, no, no, don't. I want, Marcus, I want Marcus to sing it. No. God. I'm not going to do it because I will cry. I know. What a song. I'll Keep going. Worm can run. Except <laughs> when Hugh Jackman sings it, kill me. Yeah. All right. Truth. Moving on. When Moving these on. movies get made and we start looking at the logical inconsistencies in them, this is how I always feel anyway. I try not to nitpick We'll get too you agreed. literally okay. No, go on. You always nitpick. I do with films that I don't enjoy. This That's is what I'm just saying. Just his nits, though. <laughs> what you? I meant to not pick them. <laughs> get the special shampoo. Comb the I like my picking. So I I try not to do it with movies, or I don't find myself doing it as often with movies that I enjoy and get swept up in. And the more I find a film a little tedious or it's not capturing or grabbing me, the more I go, well, "Why is this happening?" You know. Mm. And mm. I I did find myself more and more with that where. The movie doesn't take me on a sort of fantasy or a journey that I enjoy with the earlier ones, the first three especially. And so even the Goblet of Fire itself as a concept, when they're like, we have this tournament coming up and if you put your name in there, it's a binding contract. Mm. And Harry's like, I didn't put my name in there. And they're like, well, you might die now. And there's literally nothing we can do about yeah. that. Maybe he just doesn't go in. Well, we can't do that. He has to get the cup. But it's said also, so. like, it's the a, cup. It's a, insane. It's like the cup told us, and we honor the cup. It's a really weird moment of storytelling where there's nothing they can say to poo poo it or, or shoo it away. Mm. So the only thing they can do is someone goes, Well, it's a binding magical contract. And everyone goes, Yes. The contract. And yeah. that's it. And the, they same, the same rules apply to being like you have to be over 17 and all these other rules, but it's like, well, they don't matter. Yeah, it's it doesn't like, matter because there's, there's, contract. Contract. there's this other shows. contract. Yes. yes. And it's yes. never been four wizards. It's always been three, but no, well, fourth time. The yes. contract. The contract. It's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking Dumbledore just came going, oh, the rules. Like, and everyone's like, all right. Also, Owen, Owen from Vicar of Dibley, What's just a like, shout out. Doesn't Mad-Eye Moody say it must be an incredibly powerful wizard to hoodwink the goblet? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, so they know it can be tricked. Right. That's very And true. they don't investigate it's, it. That's, at the start that's right. That's yes. the guy that did it who but, suggests that. Idiot. But then idiot. they say. He's, he's, <laughs> he's drunk on power. He's like, I'm yeah. the best wizard yes. there is. I hoodwinked the cup. But then it's Snape and uh, uh, McGonagall afterwards and she's being like, I don't know, let's not send Harry to his almost certain death. And Snape's like, well, as someone who's always hated him, I think we should do it. Do it and Dumbledore's Why is he like, Sean Connery? Go do on. Alan, how, does, how does Alan Rickman? Right. No, no. <laughs> Potter. Hmm. Ek- mm, Dumbledore. Mm. As mm. someone who. Do not. <laughs> wait, don't <laughs> lie to me. me. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, anyway, Dumbledore goes, <laughs> I agree. With Snape. And McGonagall's like, but that, like, why did you play it that but way? But also, in the, in the, in this, that's a great moment in the scene. Because it's, it's, funny, it's funny, exactly. But you go like, why play it? What? Why say that? Because Dumbledore? he knows what he's doing. He's fucking with McGonagall. He's like, I agree. <laughs> Always keeping you on your toes. Who <laughs> with? Yeah, because Dumbledore's a cheeky little fart. He is. If Harry language had just sorry. said, if Harry had gone, ah, oh, that's a dragon. I don't want to. 
Would they have gone? Oh, fair enough. Or is it? And he's out. Well, you, well he would have. Well, you, he would have lost that, that. But that's, that's my it. question because it doesn't always seem like that's. Yeah. You know when when um uh, Fleur Delacroix 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 when she gets pulled out of the the mermaid challenge mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, she's had to retire because it was dangerous. I'm like. Was that an option? Like it didn't. <laughs> yeah. see, I reckon Harry's like, can't just oh, that's down. a thing. Yeah. Like Can I don't want to do this anymore. He's hanging off the side of Hogwarts, chasing <laughs> the dragon. He's yeah. like, can't I just say uh, white flag? I'm oh, done. guys, he said he doesn't want to. And the anymore. dragon goes, oh no, white flag, white flag, white You're flag. Right, right. Oh, my bad. Excuse me. Yeah, it's it feels <laughs> like the, the it feels like the pressure's always on there to a degree that again it has to the stakes for for the movie. But I do find that a bit uh, a bit naff. I also do it with. <laughs> Voldemort himself, which, again, I'm about to say something where you guys could rightfully say, well, that's an entire genre of movie that you're having a problem with there. Go on. John. Which is characters who are evil and they want to do bad stuff because it will make things bad. And I just go, I I do go when it becomes the Death Eaters and Voldemort, I'm like, what do you guys want? Yeah, here's the thing. Power. They want power. But, like, why does it, why does mm. it seem like you want everything to be dark and on fire and nasty? People well, because don't like he, that. Because he doesn't have a nose. Just, and <laughs> he was, he's very insecure. He was, yeah, he doesn't want he flowers. he feel that way. Because he can't smell the flowers. That's right. <laughs> Look, I'm aware that it's Darth just Vader. It, I'm no, aware that it's Voldemort. I'm aware right. that it is every evil character. I'm aware that it's Sauron. But what's know? the motivation Ooh. is what you're asking. I do look at Voldemort and the way they collect in the end, and if I was one of his Death Eaters, I'd be like, God, this outfit sucks. This tattoo hurts. I don't I don't know if I want to do this anymore. No, like, well that, yeah, but that just shows you're not, you're not a true fan. A you're Voldemort? You're a true follower, yeah. You, I, do, I feel bad Hang about on. No, I'm no, about no, to no. show you my forearm, which really changed things. <laughs> I, I disagree. I think that the whole point of them being followers is they're following out of fear, purely out of fear, because it's like what side do you want to be on? Mm, yes, but also uh, also ego, I think, because they're sure. the closest to the most powerful wizard of all they're time. They're the elite. Right? They say Dumbledore, others say Voldemort. Dumbledore? Yeah. Yeah. Dumbledore. <laughs> Duh, who's more powerful? Um, but they are supremacists as well. Like they, the whole point absolutely, is, yeah, yeah, they're about. We like, don't like. We we want a pure race of yep. wizards. That's interesting, and I I do agree. With, which is it's like, like a it's like a KKK thing. I agree. So oh. it's like <laughs> <laughs> I agree with what you said, Marcus. That I do think act, that's something where I do get the idea where they are like we don't want muggles or mudbloods or any of this, and and mm. magic will rule the world. Yeah, I do. I can't help but find myself once they're in a graveyard, and they're like, "This will be our meeting place," and you know, we will kill a child. It's, it's really, really spooky. It's it's really scary, <laughs> guys. Well, they needed, the, they needed the bone of the father unwillingly given. Yes, yes, I know. It it does just make me go like when I look at Lucius, who maybe you could argue is coming back out of fear, and he's coming back because he believes that there's like some pressure now that Voldemort has returned. But even so, it's just that thing of like, dude, isn't your ni- life like nicer now? Isn't it better to not be? This looks like it sucks. This looks awful, right? Yeah, but again, he's he's he picking his battles. Well, no, I don't think and so th- much. I think was, and like- also, yeah, I think ruling the world, but they can't go out. You have to find secluded places to meet. I think we're getting caught in the weeds. I, I agree. Don't yeah. I agree. <laughs> and this is why this is basically an example of me going, I'm thinking about this more than I should because the movie's not grabbing. I'm me. glad you dragged us all down. Thank you. Into that Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> oh, you're awful. That was awful. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Mike Newell, the director? Sure. Perchance? 
Four Weddings and a Funeral, oh, Donnie God, Brasco. Yeah. Into the West, I don't know what that is. But I, I don't recognise a lot of the Prince of Persia. Great you know, his greatest movie of the last 20 Mona years. Mona Lisa's The one smile. with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I said the, the greatest movie of the last 20 years, Marcus. Which one do you think I'm talking about? Yeah. Gemma Arterton. Uh, yeah, so, where they both play Persians. Yeah, rightly <laughs> so. And they're just oh, white people. Dear. It's um, a very strange movie. Um, he's Yeah, Donnie one, Brasco is obviously like one of the more eclectic directors God, there, yeah, his catalogue is so interesting. Forwarding's and a funeral to Donnie Brasco to this. The is, conversation leading to this would be pretty funny. Who are we, who are we getting to Rex Goblet? Yeah. <laughs> that guy. You know that guy who works with British actors but also did that one gangster movie <laughs> yeah. that was really underplayed with Al Pacino where he stopped him from being on coke? Let's let's get him to do Gobble Defy. It's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Sure. And he comes in and like shows the cast how to wrestle. Like he apparently it was really because he hurt himself, didn't he? Yeah, he broke a rib. It. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Um he looks like the most generic white man of all time. He looks like you, Tom. Oh. That's pretty generic. Yeah. Oh, I know. I've <laughs> met a more blank canvas man in my life. Gasp. <laughs> shocked at this. Boy, but I think, this he, I think he does. I think, you know, obviously you've come off the two Chris Columbus films of the first two and then sure. it's Alfonso Cuaron yes. does the third who whom I'm assuming you love. I love Alfonso Cuaron and I think that he- You've never met him. You don't even know. Okay, so what's up with the assumptions then? <laughs> I like, really set someone up for that. I just wanted to see you up for that. Have this That's glass exactly of water. Right. It's piss. Spit take. I think that, yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban is one of the most exciting things the franchise ever did where it was like, what if we give this to an auteur who really puts their own spin on it, adds a bit of a psychological darkness and a, a cinematic uh, dynamic to it that hasn't been... Not that Chris Columbus didn't, but his was very grand scale, very opulent. Great, yeah, and golden and beautiful yes. and glowing. And also, it, I mean, you can't do that for the first two when they're still literal children. I agree. You have to let it pick up and you have to make it be this this sort of common denominator thing that also is well done. But there's a rarefied energy to Prisoner of Azkaban that startles me. That was a nice line, I but I, I'm going to just disagree. I think okay. Mike Newell did a better job. I, I, I do disagree, but I'm glad you did it respectfully. <laughs> well, fuck, that's the end of that. Now what I do you think, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best director in the um, Harry Potter series? Um, Wait, how do you feel about David Yates? Uh, pretty bad, honestly. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, look, I think they got him in and they were like, that'll work. No. <laughs> they just kind of stuck with him and it's very much deadened to the franchise. If I, yeah, finish if with I Grant. had to choose, I, I just don't really like the Harry Potter films. What is your favourite? My favourite? Mm. I think that it the darker it got, the better it got. The, this is the thing that I did like about the franchise um, is that it felt to me like it, it evolved and it grew up with its core audience because if you look at Which how it obviously us, develops. Really? Yeah, well, that's right. But, like, it obviously the first one compared to where it sits at the end, it's you wouldn't even think it was the same franchise really. Yeah. Um, so you can see that they did and I don't think that they pandered too much to being like, well, we need to make this for everyone. I think they kind of went, we know who our audience are. We know what age they're at now. We know we can keep going darker and darker. And the books do that as well. Um, and it's some pretty heavy tones and like, but again, the books just have everything and that's the beauty of reading books. And I wish I read more nowadays. I keep saying that I'm going to and I don't. But the best thing about reading this for the first time ever, back when it was all fresh and the books were being released and there were lineups down the street and is that you are creating the, the world for yourself. So you're picturing how people look. Um, you're You're getting every minute detail and then the films kind of go, well, we're on a time frame here, so we're going to cut out this character, this character, this character, this plot line. 
we're going to skim over some stuff and we're just going to make it work. And you kind of accept it and go, yeah, cool. And then at the end they're like, oh, let's do two films and split it into part one, part two. And it's like, well, I kind of wish you did that earlier. You could have fit so much more in. Yeah, like splitting The Hobbit into three. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. No? No, no just I, me? I, again, it's, that's a franchise but I it, hate. But it is a, it's a, it's a, a thing. Like I, the first one, you, that, I think it fits into one. But I think yes. from yep. maybe even from Prisoner of Azkaban, you could have split it into two. But yep, absolutely. it's not a – you can't market that. I think it's this film, Goblet, that we're talking about could have easily been two parts. This book is 750, 800 pages. It's insanely mm. long. This is one of the longest it ones, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's two and a half hours still can't quite cover that. And yet this movie, as I'm watching it today, felt a bit long, like it dragged. Mm. And yet there were things where I'm like, well, that wasn't fleshed out very well. So mm. it's more what they selected and chose to focus on that mm. I found a little more tedious and, and underutilised. And then they got to this sort of transitional point where they're like, well, they're at that point of puberty now, they're going to start to fall in love and it's going to be all about relationships and that sort of stuff. So it felt very heavy-handed on that aspect I, of the film. But I like that. I think it's quite because it's quite didactic like, hey, you've got this really dark story about Voldemort coming back, which I remember watching in the cinema and I was like, holy shit, Voldemort's real, here he is. Um, Ray Fiennes obviously is terrifying, does an incredible job. On the other hand, it's so nice to keep them grounded in the real world and have them be teenagers who are awkwardly dating. Mm. I think it's. I think they do it all right. I don't know. I think it's um, it's a good time. It's fun to disagree. I, I like to watch awkward dating. I, I've been there. Yeah. I've seen Tom do it all the time. <laughs> it's weird that you keep coming on my dates. I mean, it's things like crumb phrasing. Whoa, honestly, whoa, whoa. honestly, I will say it again. It is weird <laughs> that you keep. No, don't say it. Coming on my dates. <laughs> <laughs> I do not find that section of the movie particularly engaging. I think it's a very generic plot that is put in this magical world and they expect both sides to elevate the other and I don't think it does. I think it's like girls and then it's that for like 30 minutes and a really like not particularly interestingly staged ball which I'm like, oh, okay, at least we'll see like really opulent dresses and like oh, the way that they'll do the- Well, it's weird because, yeah, the World Cup scene at the very opening of the film is- Hectic as yeah, there's a lot going on there. The guy with the, the guy juggling via magic, yeah, that is not a skill. That is just a <laughs> spell you've cast on a bunch of things yeah. flying around your hands. That's not skill. Cheater. I'm mad about him. Yeah, I'm talented, mom. <laughs> I know this word spell. Did you notice that um, during the opening? Sorry, we have digressed here, but during the opening, when there's all these explosions happening, and uh, and the dad, what's what's the father Weasley? What's his name? Uh, Mister Weasley. Yes, Mr. we'll just Weasley. say Mister Weasley. He comes running into the tent and, oh, no, 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 no. Oh. sorry, all the explosions are like, oh, there's the, the Irish. Irish again. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. can you say that? Well, here's the but thing. No, they, and then he comes in. It's not the he, Irish but this, time. He, he go, no, <laughs> this he, time. This time. He runs and he goes, it's not the Irish. And then he runs around to his daughter and then goes, we have to get out of here. Like it's such a theatrically stage play sort of scene blocking. It's like I run in, I say one line, I stop, I run to the next person, yeah. I give them another line. It's like, what? just say the whole thing from the front. Get out of there. And then Harry gets knocked out oh, and lies. Yeah, he's none lying of in a really burnt out sense. camp. Yeah. The Death Eaters have patrolled through there and everyone's gone except for one guy. Yeah. He should have been under something. Guys, just put him under something so he's hidden. Agreed. Yeah. I have problems with that whole opening section, some of which I just find a little like funny and flimsy and others that I'm like, yeah, that's kind of weird. 
And yeah, the one that I'm like, okay, whatever. At the World Cup, where they're like, if it's it the rains, Irish, you'll be the first to know. Yes, that's not it, but you sure, know. something like. That. But when it's <laughs> it's the Irish, and it's like, and it's like a leprechaun, and you're like, sure, like the Irish do, and it's like, and now the Bulgarians. Boom, 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 boom. We're gonna kill you all. Boom, boom. Like, whoa, bit of a shift there. Like, they get some sort of like WWF Undertaker yes. entrance. And it's the same thing that I feel <laughs> a little bit where I'm like, you guys, why would you want to enter into an arena to that? To uh, to like uh, blood and death. Oh, like it's so. I've got I another mean, grievance. Yes. Why do they mark out the lines on a Quidditch pitch? <laughs> a really good point. That bothered I'm pretty me. sure that's the riddle from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah. Who, some poor bastard had to mark that out it's and silly. they don't even use it. It's silly. And then- <laughs> Quidditch the f- is a silly game. It's true. <laughs> the following scene that you guys already talked about where the tents at the World Cup space get stormed. There was a lot of tents being pitched, but that was just the boys going through puberty. I was going to say, the movie is quite intense. <laughs> there we go. And the Death Eaters, of which it looks like there's generously a dozen, maybe mm. 15, are yeah. storming through and throwing fireballs. Yeah, I get that that's scary in conception, uh, but everyone has ones. There's, there's, <laughs> it's like, 15,000 like wizards It's like storming there. a gun convention trying to shoot people. It's like they've got more. They've all got more. Yeah. Why is no one fighting that's back? So it's valid. really no silly. No one just goes, it's And, again, that's another moment where I'm like, if I'm more involved in this film, I don't think about that. But in that moment I go like, well, this seems hey, ridiculous. Hey, what happens if someone from the general public just hits an Avada Kedavra at one of the Death Eaters? <laughs> just <laughs> just oh, everyone one. stops. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 that's against the rules. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think there has to be some level of like skill and finesse to <coughs> to the wand and such. Your pronunciation, such as Frank, if you could demonstrate, huh? Uh, d- yeah, that's the first syllable. Ha huh? huh? vara uh, ka dabra. I there think we it's go. Havidi Kadivri. Havidi Kadivri. What is? Okay, so yeah, my point is, I don't think a muggle could just do it. You have to practice. Probably not. You have to practice killing. I think. Yeah, is that, That's, in my is that what we're saying? I think so. We should move on. We should. And then the rest of the film, I think, Marcus, you've made the point that it's got like a heist-like structure. To me, it's the first of the movies, and I'm sure the book is this way. I can't quite remember it. I read it years ago. But it's the first of the, the movies to follow like a schematic structure where it does go like, all right, there's this is going to happen and then this and this. And the more that they lay that out beforehand and it's going on, the more I'm just a little like – like in in – concept I'm like oh a dragon and that's not that exciting really like Harry like evading the dragon and getting the egg mm. the scene where they do the underwater section not that exciting mm. the maze uh, is not Accio egg <laughs> credits <laughs> <laughs> it is it is sort of baffling they go why Accio fireball wrong word wrong, wrong word, word. you mispronounced egg idiot. <laughs> absolutely sorry go on Accio triwizard cup <laughs> but then he's, in, he's the, in the hall, and then he's in the graveyard. But no one's there because he's too early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> just wormed. I was saying, like, oh. <laughs> I still got my hand. I'm not ready, man. Yes. Uh, um, how do we feel about um, kill the spare and Cedric Diggory just dying? One of the only iconic lines in the movie, which I was talking with with Kath about. I think it's a little while it's, ago. It, it it proves the coming of age story in like a very severe way. It's like. Wow, where are we? What's happening? And then kill the spare happens. You go, oh shit, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, y'all. It's a strong moment. 
Um, and I think the whole movie, this movie is probably like less than a six for me, maybe even lower than if it's not got that final scene or that confrontation with Voldemort and Harry. That's an incredible scene. It's yeah. really the whole movie building towards that justifies a lot of it. And Ray again, they've, is excellent. they've cut a lot out from that scene. It's such a big uh, portion of the book. And yeah. it's like, and the amount of people that come out through the echoes um, when the wands intertwine. Oh, really? And, yeah, like you're seeing like I a remember. full so is, so echo d- history. Can I clarify that the echo, killed. that's what it is. Yeah. I was curious. I was like, how? It's, it's recalling the. Because that's never explained. Sorry, but that's never explained in the movie. I've never read the books. I read. <laughs> what are you loving at? I just had a moment. I just, re- I didn't even think this when I was watching it. That all the ghosts are coming out that Voldemort's killed and the old caretaker comes and he must just be like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) He just has no context for what's happening. And he's also one of the first. So you see him and you go, he's just like, "Um, I don't know what any of this is. (laughs) Who wants some tea? The kettle's just, oh, wait. Yes. Oh, man. Okay, so so that's good because that was never clarified uh, as a viewer who's not read the books. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's, I mean, they so do miss a lot. Voldemort must have killed like 400 people. I, I thought about that today. And they're all mad at him. Well, so there's, Bert, there's Bertha so. Jorkins as well who Of course, should, Bertha Jorkins. But she's a character that they just omitted from Harry Potter. Oh. But she works for the um, the ministry. Yeah. She ends up getting captured by Voldemort, if I've got that correct. I'm probably going to get crucified for getting this wrong. But mm. I'm pretty sure she's the one that gets uh, uh, interrogated by Voldemort to find out about the Triwizard Cup. And that's how they begin plotting and planning this whole thing uh-huh. because of her. She's the inside voice. Right. He then kills her. She ends up being one of the people that walks out of the wands, you know, at the end. Like there's a whole sure. storyline they sort of missed and glazed over, which, again, for the sake of the film, I get. Yeah. You're quite right, Frank, that it's for a movie that does, I don't want to say holds the audience's hand, but it just explains as much as it can. It gives us kind of like everything yeah. we need to understand in moments where it's like, oh, well, Harry, you wouldn't know this, but, and explains it to him. Mm. And, yeah, that scene, there might be people who are like, so are these ghosts? Like what's happening? That's what right? I thought. What's, what's going on? That's what I thought. I, know, I, I, had no, I had no concept in my mind of mm. how did they come out? Why are they there? Right. Mm. I just figured it was magic, magical spirits going, I can sense Harry needs help. Because yes. all I take away is that his mum and dad are there to help him. Mm. I don't care about anyone else there. The film doesn't sure. give you any weight to any – the caretaker obviously is like, uh, what? <laughs> so it's just his mum and dad there to help him. Because Cedric's of, bit is quite lovely. It's it, Take my body back. Take my body back, will you? Oh, and then – hold on. So let's yeah. let's go back to the maze where Cedric's about to get eaten by the vines. Yep. And he's screaming and Harry's like, I don't know if I'm going to save him, ums and ahs, and then eventually saves him. Very tense and then they decide to cat the to win the tournament together. Beautiful moment. I think it's a really mm. nice moment of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It's a hero moment for Harry. And then you think that you, in your mind, the first time watching it, that's the climax, right? Wow, they just won the tribes. Oh, no, they're in a cemetery. Yeah. Mm. Great, great twist of fate falling through the floor moment. Yeah. Um, and then to have Cedric Diggory just die like that. Mm. And then after all of that, you get back and he's like, take my body back. He goes back and then Cedric's. Father. I know. What but a scene. even before that, when you were talking about these subversions, which you're so right, that moment where they grab the cup, everyone thinks that's going to be the moment. Mm. And now he grabs it again and he comes up and the first thing we hear is applause. 
and everyone's clapping, and yeah. you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a silly- it's a good scene. It's That's very well great. done. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's very it well really done. is. Mike Newell, man, he knows what he's doing. I think for some of those scenes, yes, I would agree. But again, like the lead up to this is so overly elaborate and kind of ridiculous. Yeah, the story, if you look into it, you go, well, there's easier ways to capture Harry Potter. There's easier (laughs) ways, of course. And I'm just not particularly captivated by what it shows them going through in a way that I think builds upon the characters. It's, It's what I was saying before. Like I think the Philosopher's Stone is quite, and Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban all build in a way where there's no guideline and there's no direction that we know they're heading in for the first time watching it. Obviously, we've seen them a million times now. But Prisoner of Azkaban is one of my best examples of that because that, like you're saying, gets about an hour and 40 in. And the last act is, I've been time traveling this whole time. You're like, fucking what? And then it just introduces this yeah. total new act to go back and look at what we've already seen. You've essentially done the three acts of the film mm-hmm. and then you have a an extra, th- yes. which is the real third act. Yes. Yeah, it's mm. very interesting you go through, the, yeah. Mm. Incredibly well done and I'm I'm just so taken by that whereas with this one I know what's coming every step of the way because it's been laid out for me and then yeah. each each test or each trial basically lets me down in the execution. I think the the maze when, when Dumbledore's like, when you go in there, I can't do it, Michael Gambit, I'm not even going to try, but he's like, when you go in there. When you go in there. Oh. Harry, <laughs> did you put your name in the goblet of fire? Sorry. I protest. Harry, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? <laughs> so why have you, before I get into the maze, why have you got that? What's your reason? Because in the book, as yes. Marcus knows, he asked calmly, <laughs> calmly. Is, is the text. But, of course, he says, Harry, I protest. Harry, did you put your name in the goblet I, of fire? I want to explain two things on this. One. That is calm for Michael Gammon. That is calm for Michael Gammon. <laughs> he hasn't I, had a cigarette today. Michael Gammon is not my Dumbledore. When they recast him due to very unfortunate circumstances, uh, uh, Richard Harris, is that right? Richard Harris died after the He died yeah. and he was such a beautiful Dumbledore. Oh, Harry. And it yeah, sounds like Voldemort. It would have been interesting to see how they developed him and how physical they could have made him as it went on. I think that he maybe aged I think him was a little lightly too much. Too old, I think. But, my God, I would still take that over I, Gambon. It just never I'm going to disagree. I always liked Gambon. Did something you? I'll agree with Frank. I really like Gammon. Do I don't you? I don't even know if I would say there's a preference, but I really like what he did with the character. But do you know what's interesting? He never read the books. That's what yeah. I was just about to say. Which He's I, never read the source material. But he goes, ah, oh, character's just me, isn't it, a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, cool, what are you going to do? I think because I think it lands for the intensity of the scene. I think because it's meant to feel important and like what the fuck did you do, Harry? Well, how how egotistical can you be though to be like no well hold on let me say my thought first yes mm. ego man to <laughs> to no, have no, no. such a well established cast and such a well established ip and and a fan base to be like i'm not going to read it i'm just going to give you what i think it is and everyone else is doing their thing and actually fitting the brief and he's just like well, i don't care i'm going to do my thing i think the proof's in the pudding like when there are actors who go method and go so hard on something and are like, this is what I did for this role and this is the sacrifices I make. And I watch the movie, I'm like, yeah, but it's shit. Like, I don't care you did that. And then if there's an actor I find out didn't do that research or that extra stuff, if it's a good performance, at at worst normally I'm like, wow, that was a risk, but I guess it paid off. It reminds me of, I can't remember his name, but the actor who plays Stannis in Game of Thrones. Sure. And he did an interview after he's 
time was done on the show and they're like, so finally you're finishing Game of Thrones. How do you feel? He's like, I have no fucking idea what was going on in that show. <laughs> I have no idea what that show but was about. They just show up and they say the yeah. lines and they just have a yeah. good time. Like, and you're like, he's in the pocket but in also, every scene he's neither in. Neither did the writers. That's a good point. <laughs> but, but also like you go back to Michael Gammon, it's like, well, Mike Newell and the writers gave him that and approved it on the day. Mm. They would have said, yeah. cut, cool. Yeah. They At no point did they, they obviously didn't go calmly. The book says calmly, so you should do it. Like they've obviously gone. I mean, I think it's a choice. They've gone. This is what the scene needs to feel like. So I'm sorry, book, and sorry, JK. He's going to through that whole um, uh, taking the names out of the flame. That whole scene. He's actually quite intense. It's like calm down. He does play Dumbledore with intensity. It's an intensity I kind of sprinting like. energy. He always sort of sprints onto the stage. He moves yeah. a lot. He's he's much more active. He's got a bit more kinetic sort of. Energy I don't, if we'd seen him from the start, I think we'd be okay. And I like that the one thing he yes. said is yeah, that he you know. gave it a little Irish lilt in it. And he's like, that's what I brought to the character. I yeah. thought I'd give him something, a little, just a, a tiny quirk in the accent. I didn't want to do a Richard Harris impression. And I can impression. hear that and I, I actually quite liked that. Vocally I, like I thought he was fine to an extent and, yeah. until he went. There are, and there are off. some scenes where he's wonderful. The quieter scenes I think he's really like he has a weight to him as an actor. He's got such gravitas. He's wonderful. Yeah, His gravitas. best is in... in um, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, I think, anyway. But <laughs> Fucking hell, get over it. Get over it. It's the it. best one. Uh, but, yeah, there was something I was saying earlier about uh, the maze. Oh, yeah, the maze sucks. That's it. <laughs> no, no, I think the maze is the best of the three challenges. May, but I think the payoff with Cedric is the best, but so, yeah, Dumbledore goes, when you go in there, you might lose yourselves, so be careful. And you go in, and it's like, oh, the hedges move. Like that's it. But it's the meant hedges to be, move. There's meant to be like the Sphinx with riddles. There's yeah. meant to be a lot of shit in there, and it's just like they went, we can't do it's it. Just so plans. it'll be. It's like it'll who, be could, who can run the fastest vegetation? <laughs> who designed these 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 challenges too? It's like let's put them at the bottom of a lake where no one can see what's happening. Let's put them in a maze. Yeah. Where what, no one what are the audience? What are the audience? It's going to be the longest hour of their lives. Here's my favorite off-screen imagined scene. I'm so glad you remembered that. Because Harry and Rod and Hermione are in the library and then Mad-Eye Moody comes along and says, Dumbledore wants to see you. And they're like, oh, fine. And then they get put in the bottom of the lake. So they walk into Dumbledore's office and what, does he just like chloroform them? Like, they're just, shh, shh, this is for Harry. It seems right. Like, with, with the trajectory that, right. that Gambin has shown me to this point, <laughs> I believe that he ran in and clubbed them. Oh, he knocked them out. <laughs> and then like, with a blackjack. Good work, Dumbledore. This will be easy to put them in the lake. He's like, oh, we're putting them in the lake? Okay. Oh, <laughs> I was mad at them. To hit some students, but that's yeah. fine. He's intense. He's intense, but I love him. Oh, uh, shit. I don't, I don't really have a lot else to add beyond that something you said earlier, Marcus, because Frank and I haven't agreed about this. And it's mostly because his opinion's bad. But I think you and I, no, it's just. <laughs> and because you're an idiot. But that, you know, like, bygones be bygones. Yes. You guys. Stop it. <laughs> um, no, it's just because I don't think this movie, for me, matters as much as some of the other ones. Um, and I don't think it is one of the more beloved, right? I genuinely I do think. I asked one person. Oh, I, I, went, I was literally when you were like, well, I think broadly speaking, and I was like, I wonder what broad's going to mean for Frank. <laughs> I, to, like, I asked one friend at work. And they're like, and she's British. Fine. So it was like, oh, okay. uh, what am I supposed to believe here? Um, but you said earlier, Marcus, that you think the movies got better as they got darker. And yeah, I don't agree. I think that the earlier versions and the earlier iterations of these movies, and this was the transition point where they were like, well, we've killed someone now. You know, someone has died on screen. Mm. A young person has died. Mm. 
we we have to keep going with this darkness and we have to embrace it. Sirius is going to have to die and then Dumbledore is going to have to die and then Fred or George who cares? But one of them is going to have to die. They're like, also bad actors. But what, sorry, what's funny? What's your what's your statement here? My point is that I think leaning into the the darkness for the sake of embracing it and making it more mature and like giving it a grit or a heft sure. by introducing those things. I don't think it's well amalgamated with the the properties of the the IP as it stands. I think making it dark for dark sake is not the point. It, but they no, sort but of you're did also and I'm not trying to be a dick here. You are. No commenting on something that you didn't continue reading past no, that's, Goblet of Fire? And that's fair. I, I can't comment necessarily because on the veracity and, it, like, the way that they adapt. Well, I was just going to say, certainly the, just the books... Sorry, sorry, no, no, Tom. No, the, but the books are really dark. Yeah. Like, the pages are. are grey. You yeah. can barely read it. <laughs> <laughs> you, need from, to, you need to get a lamp. For it, it. I honestly <laughs> I feel put a that lamp. In, the, in the same vein that the films do um, convey it and they mm. do do it, the books do very... Um, very drastically sort of switch and change. Sure. Which is not a time. But it is, it is transitional from the death. It mm. is, absolutely. Yeah. Like more and more death occurs and it starts to be like, oh. And then the world unfolds in your head and then by the time you're doing Order of the Phoenix and like you're talking about the dingy hallways of the, of the black family's house and it's all really grim. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's not like chocolate frogs and beetles and and spells and Of course. It does it's develop more. Yes, it, it starts to take on like a real world proportion with it. And, and I, whether if that's accurate with the book as as the movies, which is all I can speak to with 5 6 7 and then the two parts of, of 8. Cool. It's, five, five, six, it's seven, eight. 5 6 7 8 8. There's I I don't enjoy the way that they ingrain that or that they introduce that. And if the books do it the same way, I probably wouldn't enjoy those books, you know, but I can't speak to them. But it's not me saying that I think the way I'm not going like, well, the movies have done a bad job of adapting the books. If the books are like that, then I don't like those. I mean, how would you want to sugarcoat the amount of death that we see as it progresses? It's not sugarcoating it. It's feeling as though the the the... I don't even want to say whimsy. Voldemort's back. I mean, this is a world we haven't seen yet. It's like they feared this day would come. It's like Voldemort is back and now the world is dark and eerie and evil. And That's what I think. Absolutely. I think it's a massive turning point. It does. But I the agree. most thrilling thing about these movies for me always was the magic, even when it was dark. And I've, I've mentioned maybe once or twice Prisoner of Azkaban and that is a dark movie that I love. And I love how they introduce this notion of like almost mental health issues in someone like Sirius Black, how they introduce this idea of like psychopathy and guilt and vengeance and like betrayal. And that stuff really hangs in that movie well. And yet the magic is still there and the glory and the spectacle of something that is so out of this world. And I think five, six, seven and eight feel way more weighed down by it. They don't feel as though okay. they take that quality and make it that they embrace it. They're just like, this this heavy stuff is here now as well. And I'm like, yeah, where's why why am I not seeing more things that make me like my mind I, expanded? I magical. see I see your point on, but it's yeah. like it feels like you get to the Order of the Phoenix or um, Half Blood Prince, Prince especially. It's such can a I give you, film. Can yeah, I give yeah, you a comparison? Yeah, of course. I think it's the same thing when you watch The Lord of the Rings. You start off in the Shire and you end up in fucking Mordor. Like you look at how jarring that transition is. All of a sudden every every moment of The Lord of the Rings you get to a point where it's like this, they're covered in dirt, there's blood, they're sweating, there's people dying. Yeah. You I'll, don't have the magic of the Shire anymore. It's gone. We're at war. It's a, I will disagree. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a correct sort of comparison because 
tonally it feels the same the whole way through. You travel through different worlds and different experiences, but that feels like a very natural progression. I think I see Tom's point of like it does it's a jarring turn from two to five in the Harry Potter films because you've got different directors, you've got cast growing up over several years, whereas Lord of the Rings they filmed it at once. So they've got mm. people essentially the same age. They filmed it over what, three years mm. and then edited for another three. This is over 15 years essentially. Like the change that happens within cast, crew, the world outside Five different of that, directors, five, which yeah. I think definitely shows. Max and Max, yeah. But on that, I think the turning point is, is you know, I think it pays off. Like five and six you go, Voldemort's wants back. This is our priority. This is what we need to focus on. And if you don't like it, Tom, then you know what? Get the... Get out! Get you get out of here! It's the early Arbus. <laughs> That's not it. That's good. So, is anyone going to throw in uh, anything? No, I think Fellowship of the Ring is the best Lord of the Rings. I agree. <laughs> is that what we? That's, I can't even. Wow, my God, that's so wrong too. Oh, really? I can't. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that another day. Ooh, oh, you know, we could all agree the Hobbit movies were better. All right. <laughs> oh, is out. anyone going to throw anything in? I think I was at a six point four and maybe even just talking about some of the sections of it with the actors that I really liked. What's yeah. up, Marcus? I think I've the lowest score and yet you I are. felt yeah. like I defended you it. You I, was, I was feeling yeah. that and Interesting. so weirdly some of the things you've said but also just some of my memories of like the actors and stuff. You know, this reminds me of a time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to go to 6.7, yeah. a little higher. What about you, Marcus? You coming up at all? Yeah, I'll come up to a 6.5. Yeah. I'm going to come up to a 7.1. I did 1.1 more. Yeah. I pushed it. I like to stop it a little early, but I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, Frank. Oh, Frank's really mad at me. Way, way to ruin my day, honestly. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We just had a nice time together. God, we did. if you weren't so generically white and looking the way you do. <gasps> oh. oh, gasp again. I'm like, I'm out yeah. of things to do that are white. <laughs> it's also hard to be mad at you because you're so generic because you have you pay no mind. I pay you no mind, you lampshade. There we go. Through in the past. Listening to Throwing the Power, my name is France. Thanks for listening to Throwing the Power, my name is Thomas. When Guardian Leviosa. Not Leviosa, Leviosa. Straight to bed, all of you. Jesus. Oh, Ralph, my. Oh, my God.